Welcome everyone to the Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me, who dat? It's Pete. Hello, Pete. What? No hug? Not even a handshake? The Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 108, Ghost Stories, is brought to you by Bud's Broiler. We won't have you raiding the refrigerator an hour later like those girlfriend pancakes. Here we are, Pete, in the home stretch of Cloak and Dagger. Over on our Luke Cage podcast feed, we will be wrapping up that season with our season two retrospective later this weekend. And by the way, Pete, this episode of Cloak and Dagger Ghost Stories, directed by Alex Garcia Lopez, whose work we talked about on Luke Cage within the last week, he directed the episode They Reminisce Over You. Hashtag it's all director connected. It is. And given the early... Uh, news out of San Diego Comic-Con, rather shocking, Iron Fist, Leapfrogs, the Daredevil, and will premiere on uh, September 7th. We will, of course, be there to bring you all of that, and we will be dusting off the old Iron Fist feed uh, this weekend to talk that and uh, across all of our other feeds, the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be bringing you a potpourri of San Diego Comic-Con news. We'll be bringing you via Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, all sorts of information out of the Hall H uh, panel and Season 2 trailer. Uh, so lots more coming from Fantastic Geek. Indeed, Pete, I'll just reiterate that all of that will be available on the pop culture podcast feed that we have. So whether you're looking at, you know, the MCU, whether it's uh, Freeform, whether it's Netflix, whether you're looking at Star Trek Discovery, other geeky goodness in general, that's all in the pop culture podcast feed. But Pete, let's focus on this feed. Let's focus on this episode of Cloak and Dagger. Take us to your episode summary. Eight years ago, budding ballerina Tandy gets a lesson from her father in overcoming distractions as Tyrone loses out to Billy in thumb wrestling on a family outing to Bud's broiler. We learn these events happened exactly eight years ago today as a montage reminds us of Nathan Bowen's car accident and Billy Johnson's murder. And we head into the title card. Fuchs flips pancakes as O'Reilly informs him she passed the psych evaluation after discharging her weapon in self-defense against Dwayne. But whether they are girlfriend pancakes or not, O'Reilly intends to take down Connors. Fuchs plans on helping. As Tandy goes to see a recovering Ivan Hess, she sees Peter Scarborough, who recognizes her. Tandy brought Hess flowers, but all Scarborough brought was paperwork to ensure he's not a liability. He doesn't remember much about the night apart from the theory Tandy's father had about the ancient and special nature of the energy they were drilling for. But he didn't tell Scarborough about the memo her father wrote the company about the design of the rig. Roxon was cutting corners. Her father stashed the memo in a safe deposit box at Metrolink Bank under the name Bernoulli, an old and inside joke. Ivan fears reprisals to his daughter Mina. 
Tandy is envious of how much he has to lose. Back at home, Tandy brings her mom coffee, which she doesn't enhance for once. They talk about their yearly tradition to honor her father's memory later on. Tandy shares her theory on her father's safety deposit box, and together they find the key hidden amongst a box of keepsakes. At a tense Johnson house, Tyrone's father floats, having the Red Hawks over. Tandy surprises Tyrone on this day of all days. She meets his parents and invites him over later to remember her father. Outside, we see that Tandy has stolen Tyrone's mom's Roxanne ID. In flashback, Tandy commits her first crime when she steals a woman's phone to call home, but gets only voicemail. All eyes are on O'Reilly when Connors calls her over to check out a police sketch of Tyrone, the suspected drug runner. She plays dumb, but he points to the curious timing of it all. The Red Hawks arrive, and the conversation quickly turns to Billy's unfinished cloak. O'Reilly texts Tyrone to come outside where she explains Connors is after him. O'Reilly points out Connors remembers the significance of this day. In flashback, Tyrone hears Evita's auntie giving a tour and telling a story about the ghost of jazz clarinetist Jack Rogers. Tandy plans, Tyrone paints. Tyrone explains how he plans to pose as Billy's ghost to O'Reilly and Fuchs to get him to confess. She doesn't think it's a good idea. Tyrone trusts Fuchs with the secret of his power. In flashback, Tandy arrives home to find her mother unconscious in an apparent overdose attempt. She calls 911. Tandy sneaks into Roxanne as Tyrone toys with Connors. Connors meets up with O'Reilly at the docks and shows him a, a picture of a kid Fuchs saw on his beat that matches the sketch. Tyrone shows up, but O'Reilly plays along and pretends not to see him. He confronts Connors, getting him to confess to everything which Fuchs records. O'Reilly arrests him for the murder of Billy Johnson. Tandy wants answers from Scarborough. She produces a memo her father wrote warning Roxanne about the harm direct human contact would cause to its workers without the shielding he recommended. She also has pieces of the melted down rig without the heat shielding. She accuses him of lawyer Greg's murder by the water bottle girl. She wants to restore her father's good name, which Scarborough implies wasn't that good. He offers to pay her to get her mom out of the trailer park if she can turn over the evidence to him. Connors is booked, and Fuchs' video is in evidence, locked and logged. Fuchs is still amazed by Tyrone's display of power, but O'Reilly is from New York. She's seen it before, but she's never told him about her friend, Misty. That night by the water, Tyrone tells Tandy he got Connor's confession and she scared Scarborough. Tandy's mom arrives and they light a lantern for her father 
when they all hold hands, Tandy and Tyrone enter her mom's memory and see her father may not have been as saintly as she remembers him when she spills something on his work and he hits her. They launch the lantern and Tyrone and Tandy part. In flashback, Tandy's mom tells her they're all on their own. Tandy calls Scarborough and demands the money. Instead of restoring her father's name, Tyrone sees his parents' fear about his environment. Tandy stashes cash inside a statue in her abandoned church. O'Reilly wants celebration pancakes, but instead finds Fuchs' body in the fridge. With that, Pete, let's talk the dark figures in this episode. Certainly top of the list must be Scarborough. Yeah, it's been a couple episodes since we had these very regular uh, dark figures. And to get Scarborough back, uh, he, of course, that Tandy tried to con before. And now it's the straight up blackmail. Yeah, and... I know that we've certainly discussed in past episodes, uh, past podcasts, you know, this notion of making Roxanne Gulf the big bad. All right, we're certainly all sympathetic to that, particularly in light of the uh, the Gulf oil disaster, you know, a number of years ago and so forth. You know what? Scarborough, though, continues to cut through all that familiarity, even him being, you know, the evil executive. There's just something really evocative about him as a character and the performance imbued in him where you just buy that, Pete, he's just a guy that wants to maximize profits and minimize scandal. And if that means paying off some people or hiding the, the, the lack of heat shielding, you know what? He'll do it. Yeah, and that the heat shielding led to turning people into murder zombies all the more nefarious on his part to cover up. Next on the list, Pete, is Connors, who not only has his own crimes as seen on screen in this episode, we have to wonder, I suppose, in our in our next segment, if he's been up to other bad off screen. But let's talk about here. He, we get the confession, Pete. He's admitting his evil. He has a conscience, which is interesting that it's presented in such a way. Obviously, it's a narrative device to get the confession um, and again, our light theories will talk about uh, the act at the end, whether or not we think it's him. But uh, between the confession and the guilt over uh, trying to find this drug runner who uh, looks like Billy and going through everything he does with Tyrone's ruse, it's a very interesting presentation to get out of villain it is and in previous reviews i think me in particular I, there's been a loving finger wag here and there towards the occasional elements in uh, in, in scenes or in episodes I'll tell you this, Pete, the haunting scene, such as it is, or, you know, such as is the haunting, that was an excellent, excellent scene. I really mm -hmm. like that they have uh, 
continued to use so it's not new in this episode of course but i like that the show landed on this bare bones presentation of tyrone's jumping ability you know it's just that it's essentially a hard cut with a little bit of smoke around the edges once he appears it's not you know the star trek beam in or something like that it's not the stargate you know watery reflecty thing it's kind of like it's it's a quieter special effect but it lets it be fast and you see it here where I'm nervous for Tyrone. I don't didn't actually think Tyrone was going to get shot in this scene. But, you know, being being in the moment, I'm nervous for Tyrone as Connors is shooting at him and shooting at him and shooting at him. And you see a completely confident Tyrone blipping in and out and in and out, getting this confession and, you know, certainly a wonderful moment. We'll talk about that confession in Light Theories, by the way. It's an elegant and eloquent way to not do the... And now we're going to have the scene where he mastered his powers. Um, it's a far better way to do it for a televised format. Well, Pete, let's talk some light theories here. And here's here's a question I have for you. And believe me, great uh, Connor's moment there with the Connor's confession. Nice to see, uh, you know, you're under arrest and all of that. But this confession that's on a cell phone you know cell phone footage i don't know how much of tyrone you can see there you know in terms of is he super powered is he a mind make you say things guy you know is this connor's confession legitimate enough for internal affairs for the courts where are we on that i think recorded evidence is just that it's admissible uh, it's something that could eventually wind up seen by a jury at trial. So I, I think we take it on face value. It's certainly enough to arrest him. Um, it's now admitted as evidence. We know that Connors has ways of getting into evidence. So he's probably snorted this video. <laughs> well, connected to that. Uh, and I suppose the answer to the question I'm about to pose, fair is fair. We'll let the, you know, we'll let next week's episode answer it. But we have Fuchs dead in the fridge at the end. Um, should anyone assume it was anyone other than Connors and fellow, you know, ne'er do wells in the Nolan's PD? Except for the fact, how is he doing it uh, in handcuffs? Um, I can't imagine he's been arraigned, granted bail as uh, an alleged and accused <laughs> child a, a, killer, a ch charged child killer in an unsolved uh, murder. Hey, I just need to go over to the cop who uh, who helped arrest me's house. We're, we're going to have a meal and talk this all out. Thank goodness O'Reilly and Fuchs had that workplace smooch to make it clear to everyone that uh, they were a couple and therefore Fuchs was culpable, et cetera, et cetera. But Pete, sometimes you need to allow such things. What theories do you have? This ancient and special nature of the energy beneath New Orleans, Matt, what is this? I think, and I say this without the slightest bit of sarcasm, I think that it is the potential for... Uh, at, at best, anyway, it's the potential for a season two thread, and that's okay. I think that, you know, I mean, the history of Marvel shows being renewed is all but stellar. <laughs> we don't talk about humans. Um, 
And I think it's okay to seed some of that stuff. If for this season, or if ultimately this is just a MacGuffin and it's big explosion energy that does wacky and weird things and also gives cloak and dagger powers. You know, I'm okay with that too. I mean, let's use as a template Fantastic Four, the cosmic radiation. What's its purpose? I don't know, to make them the Fantastic Four and give them stuff to talk about for the first couple issues until they're like, hey guys, matching suits, we are the Fantastic Four. So I'll stick with it's it's a big bad for the future, but if it's just to get us through this season, that's okay too. What happened between Tandy's parents? I mean, there's no reason, at least as we, the audience, understand the, the, the memory power, the fear power that, that Tandy and Tyrone have. There certainly is no reason to doubt her mother's uh, story, for lack of a better word. You know, I, I think whether we're, we're in a fear or an, uh, a true memory, I think that it certainly is troubling territory enough. And... You know, is it well suited to the episode that, hey, dad is not the saint that you thought he was? Sure. But I would be shocked if they reveal, oh, no, this actually was a lady who wondered if maybe he would ever get this way, but he never was because he still is an angel. I think it's a much more rich show experience to have these sides to him and indeed to have Tandy reflect on this altar that she's put her, her late father on. And to, and to reassess things. I don't know to what end. Obviously, his behavior is indefensible. Uh, but I think that, you know, we can separate. That's his fictional problem. We are here on the, the reality end of things, at least I think. Um, and I look forward to seeing Tandy navigate all that. Obviously, O'Reilly's mention of Misty, you know, Misty Knight from the Luke Cage and the Defenders and now very soon the iron fist which again uh not a surprise that she would appear on that surprising that iron fist has been uh, uh prepared to be dropped as soon as it's going to be available to us um should we expect simone missick to show up in the next two episodes answer the question matt <laughs> well i think that's perhaps a tad much but what i found really interesting was this more direct mention you know it's one thing if it's, it's one thing when luke cage makes reference to o'reilly who went to new orleans while you're mentioning you know bibbity bop who went to albany or something like that it did cross my mind watching this episode you know what does a netflix response look like to this like if they were all of a sudden to say as an extreme example I'm Detective O'Reilly on the Freeform show, and I'm friends with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. You know, if I was Netflix, I would be a little annoyed that, like, hey, your show on another channel that's not part of the Netflix, you know, the Netflix ecosystem, it's getting a little, it's getting heat off what we paid for. Okay, now I'm perhaps less so with a Misty Knight reference, but I, I do wonder what is that behind the scenes thing of, you know of that cross-pollination and to answer your larger question more so pete i would be shocked if in this current age of marvel netflix and marvel everywhere else every, everywhere else being under some kind of disney umbrella once this fox deal closes etc um i would be shocked to see cross-pollination from from marvel netflix to anywhere else just because i think netflix is going to say hey this is our thing it's special here keep it here 
Well, just as we saw the authentic experience here of Tyrone's cloak coming together, Pete, many hands making it happen, so too is our experience on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek as we are kept aloft by those patrons who visit there. You can teleport yourself right over, and then you can use your light daggers to carve out whatever piece of Fantastic Geek, as far as a perk, you're interested in. And we always appreciate that. There's uh, there certainly are yearly costs, blah, blah, blah. Technical, technical. The bottom line is, Pete, what prevents our oil rig from blowing up, particularly with all the content churning on through, it's uh, with help of those patrons, so we want to say thanks. But, Pete, the best thanks can be expressed to you on Twitter. How can people be in touch? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,915 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Email us at fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are fantasticgeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with the PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Cloak and Dagger feed, we're going to be back next week. Pete, for the penultimate episode, episode 109 for the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Pete, this is going to be a busy weekend, a fun weekend. Yes. I know we got Luke Cage wrapping up on Sunday in the interim or a little bit before, or a little bit after, but certainly by the end of the weekend, maybe Monday at the latest if there's, I don't know, earth-shattering news. We got Star Trek Discovery. We got Iron Fist. We got Luke Cage, as mentioned. We got any other MCU news that might happen, like Clark Gregg returning to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is widely predicted but not confirmed, and what other razzle-dazzle things might happen at San Diego Comic-Con. Looking forward to bringing it to you all. Well, with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I ain't never going to let you be. You hear me? 